men of and women of faith have asked for signs. Um, one of the famous one is Gideon. Gideon asks for a sign based on a fleece um, to be wet and then to be dry. So Gideon, uh, wanting to be assured of things, seeks for a sign. Um, in um, John chapter 2, verse 11, when Jesus turns the water into the wine, John tells us that was the first sign that Jesus performed to manifest his glory. And throughout Jesus' ministry, he performed signs not when people were asking for them, but as a confirmation of who he was. He's preached the word with as one having authority. He healed the lame, the blind, the sick, the, uh, the deaf, all of those indications of who he was. And so there were plenty of opportunities to see signs to confirm who Jesus is, was, but they not having a sensitive heart. And like I said, signs really don't produce faith. Um, they're just there. Um, but also, if you will, a perfect example of the signs that were there when Jesus came the first time, Jesus told us that there will be signs when he comes again. The beginning of those is pestilence and earthquakes and all manner of, of bad things happening. And he says those are just the beginning of the birth pains. And so he has given us signs that we can see just as determining whether it's going to be good weather or bad weather. We should be able to determine how close his coming is based on the the word of God that he's given us already. However, I want you also to know that not all signs come from God, and, and that's a problem. And so I want you to see in your Bibles in 2 Thessalonians, chapter 2, sorry, with verse 7, it says this, For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work, only he who now uh, restrains will do it until he is taken out of the way. Then that lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord will slay with the breath of his mouth and bring to an end by the appearance of his coming. That is the one whose coming is in accord with the activity of Satan with all power and signs and false wonders, and with the deception of wickedness for those who perish because they did not receive the love of truth so as to be saved. So we see Satan will perform signs and wonders and marvelous things. And so... Uh, just because there is a sign, uh, we're not to get wrapped up and involved and say, oh, that proves something. It needs to be consistent with the Word of God because Satan loves to imitate God. He imitates God because he wants to be worshipped. He imitates God because that we have the Trinity and Satan has Satan and, and the Antichrist and the false beast, the, the beast, and all of these things. So Satan is always trying to replicate 
what God has already done. And so part of that is he will perform signs. And so, again, a sign is a sign as an indication or a marker. So when Satan performs his sign, it's a marker of who he is. And when Jesus performed his signs, it is a marker of who he is. So now let's discuss what the sign of Jonah is. And that we find in Jonah chapter 1. And we'll be starting with verse 15. Now, Jonah, uh, to remind you, is, is a prophet who God commissioned to go to Nineveh and preach salvation to them. And instead of going because Jonah knew exactly who God is and how compassionate, merciful, and forgiving he is, that if he presented the word of God, that they might repent. And that was the last thing he wanted. So he got on a ship and he sailed away and went the opposite direction. And there was a great storm uh, and the, the sailors were frightened. And um, Jonah knew what was happening and kind of could care less. Um, and then in verse 15, uh, after doing all that they could, they asked Jonah, well, what, what else can we do? And he says, throw me into the sea. And they're not really wild about doing that, but they understand through Jonah's testimony that he's running away from God. And so the best way for them to be safe is get rid of him because he's the problem. So verse 15 says this, and so they picked up Jonah, threw him into the sea, and the sea stopped its raging. Then the men feared the Lord greatly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the stomach of the fish three days and three nights. And I want to stop there. We always hear uh, people say, well, Jonah was swallowed by a whale. No, he was swallowed by a great fish. What kind of fish? I don't know. It just says a great fish, which means a really large one. But it wasn't a whale. But then when Jonah is swallowed by this great fish, he prays, which is interesting. It's kind of late. Should have been praying before. So in chapter 2, starting with verse 1, it says, Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the stomach of the fish. And he said, I called out of my distress to the Lord, and he answered me. I cried for help from the depth of Sheol. You heard my voice. Now notice, it's you heard my voice. He's talking directly to God. And you have cast me into the deep, into the heart of the sea, and the current engulfed me. All your breakers and billows passed over me. So I said, I have been expelled from your sight. Nevertheless, I will look again toward you and your temple. Water encompassed me to the point of death. The great deep engulfed me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. I descended to the root of the mountains. The earth with its bars was around me forever. But you have brought me up 
my, brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. While I was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you, into your holy temple. Those who regard uh, vain idols forsake their faithfulness, but I will sacrifice to you with a voice of thanksgiving that which I have viewed, vowed I will pay. Salvation is from the Lord. Now, there is a split of opinion on what happens here. Most, well, I don't know whether most, so I'll say many people believe that what the miracle here resulting from Jonah's prayer was that God sustained Jonah alive for three days and three nights in the belly of the fish. And then after the prayer and after uh, Jonah acknowledges who God is and that he's going to do what God says, uh, we see later that the fish regurgitates him up on dry land. I don't think that's what's happened. I think Jonah dies. And the reason I think Jonah dies is because it says that from the depths of Sheol. And Sheol is the realm, the place of the dead. So I think Jonah died. And the miracle, if you will, is that God raised Jonah from the dead. But either way, whether he was in the belly of this great fish for three days and three nights and returned, or whether he died while he was in the belly of the great fish and then returned, he returned. And so Jesus is in essence saying, just as Jonah laid in the belly of the great fish, I will be in the belly of the tomb in the ground for three days and three nights. And just as Jonah returned, I will return. So he said, you want a sign? That's the sign. I will be in the belly of the earth for three days and three nights. And quite frankly, if you will, that is the sign which we all believers have come to accept because our faith is based on the resurrection of Jesus. It's not based solely on his teaching. If, if he didn't rise from the dead, you know, there's some good things he has to say. We ought to love people. But some of the other things he has to teach, you know, not too sure. Uh, there are other things he requires of us. Uh, we're to count the cost of being his disciple. And so as we take a look at that, we say we follow the Lord. And even our confession is that we believe that God raised Jesus from the dead. And so the sign of Jonah is Jesus's death, burial for three days and his resurrection. So he tells them that's the sign. That's the only sign I'm giving you. Although for believers, his disciples and others, he gives other signs, as John says, the sign of turning water into wine, uh, the healing of deaf, dumb, blind, all those other types of people that only the Messiah would do. And so um, that's the sign of Jonah, and Jesus performed it. The next question is kind of related to that. It says in Mark 8, verse 12, the Pharisees wanted Jesus to give them a sign to prove he was the Messiah. So it's a similar uh, request. 
And then the, but the real question is, what kind of sign, if any, would have convinced them? So here's my word, one word answer, none. It's obvious that as they asked Jesus for a sign, they only did it to test him, not to come to faith. But I want to show you something that's uh, very interesting that shows that they had no um, interest in accepting even the sign of Jonah. And so in Matthew chapter 28, starting with verse uh, 11. Now this is after Jesus' resurrection. This is after his disciples have uh, seen the empty tomb, uh, that uh, the women saw it, we reported it to the apostles, that uh, Peter and John went to the grave, saw that it was empty, and all these things were happening. Well, there were some other people who knew what were, was happening, and that was the soldiers who was there, to guard the tomb. And so it says in verse 11, Now while they were on their way, some of the guards came into the city and reported to the chief priests all that had happened. Well, what had happened? There was an earthquake. There was a moving of the stone. Uh, there was an angel. Uh, the tomb was empty. Um, there was a resurrection. So all these things they reported. And when they had assembled with the elders, and they consulted together. They gave a large sum of money to the soldiers and said, You are to say the disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. Now, they're asking some great things from these soldiers because it was their duty to guard the, the grave. Just as now, if you are fall asleep on guard duty, there are really some serious consequences. And this time, the consequences were death. So they paid a, lot, a large sum of money for them to lie and say, we were asleep, the, the disciples came and stole him. So you notice that Jesus said, the only sign that you will receive is a sign of Jonah. Jesus was in the tomb three days and three nights, and then he rose from the grit. Grave. Hearing the evidence from the soldiers who were not disciples, who were there just doing their job, they refused to believe. And so instead of believing, they paid money, large sums of money, for a lie. And it says, and this, you were to say, his disciples stole while we were asleep. And if it should come to the governor's ears, we will win him over and you will be safe and out of, kept out of trouble. So, if the greatest sign that it could ever take place was one that was prophesied in the scriptures. Psalm 22. As a matter of fact, in Isaiah 53 and in other uh, places in the scriptures, as a matter of fact, after Jesus' resurrection, we see 
that he walks with a couple of the disciples on the road to Emmaus. And he opens up the scriptures to show them that they speak of him. He's told the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, you look through the scriptures, they speak of me. And so Jesus is saying, if you simply read the scriptures, you will know who I am. And the sign that you were wanting, I said, I'll give you one, and you refuse to believe. So my answer is simple. There is no sign that they would come to believe in Jesus. And that's why it's very problematic when we ask for signs. Because when we ask for signs, it probably doesn't mean that we want an increase in faith. We ask for signs that we want what we want when we want it. And the problem, as I've said, is oftentimes when God gives us an answer to a sign, it's long after we're gone. But as in King Ahaz's example, he said, you can ask anything you want, and I'll give it to you. He was patient with Gideon and said, and not only did the one test that Gideon asked for, did the second test. And we'll see others who are weak in their faith and are unsure. But ultimately, the sign doesn't give you faith, except the Word of God. And so that's the greatest sign that we can receive. Understand His Word. Place it in our hearts and our minds, not just to know it, but to live it. With that, let's have a, a word of prayer and then we'll conclude. Father, we thank you that you did give a sign and that because of that sign, we have come to faith because that tomb is empty, that you are placed in the belly of the earth, not just asleep, not just recovering, but dead. But because you had the authority to pick up your life again, you walked out of that tomb. And there are those who will attempt to lie and distort the truth. And Lord, we ask that we would not be caught up in that. God, that our faith would be in you and not in signs. That our faith would be in you not the power of other people, that our faith would be in you and that we would know you so well and your word so well that just as those who can tell what the weather will be like, we can tell your movement in this earth. We thank you for your love, for your mercy, and for the signs that you've given us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Have a great rest of your day.